0: Working the fields, tending to cattle, protecting the land. Living on a ranch comes with a multitude of responsibilities. However, when your living keeps you far away from society, it's only a matter of time before you see something that cannot be explained lurking on your land. And if you take your eyes off of it for too long, it might go in for the kill. Welcome back to the Darkness Prevails podcast, where everyday folks send me their stories of encounters with the unknown and terrifying. Today, I'll be sharing with you stories about disturbing things seen on ranches, new werewolf sightings, and more. Enjoy, and remember to send me your scary stories so I can narrate them. Just go to darkstories.org. And hey... Help us grow by sharing this podcast with friends and family who need a good scare. Check out EerieCast.com for more terrifying entertainment. Now, let's begin. A Midnight Drive From Rantix sometimes i drive to take the edge off of a stressful evening it's even good to help me get back to sleep i spend my days working at a desk and live in the nearby mountains being stuck in an office all day with little time to myself afterwards leaves me yearning to do a little hiking or driving especially since the area i live in is so scenic i also have a lot of trouble sleeping at times If I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't get back to sleep, I'll walk down to my garage, then take a 10-minute drive around the mountain listening to talk show podcasts through the stereo. I don't really have many neighbors, and the craziest thing to happen is usually some deer walking across the road. So basically, the most I'd have to worry about out there would be a random deer running into the side of my car. I can't say I wouldn't mess myself if that happened out of nowhere. One night, I went to bed around 9.30. I was exhausted. Funny how you can be so tired after a long day of just typing on a computer. Irritatingly, I woke up a couple of hours later. When I checked my phone, it was around midnight. Firstly, I tried to turn over and go back to sleep, but after 15 minutes, I felt wide awake, yet my body still felt so exhausted. I sighed and pulled myself up out of bed and walked to the garage. In moments, I was pulling out of my driveway with my high beams on. I drove down my gravel road until I hit pavement, then I took a left on the road that circles the mountain and eventually leads me to a turn that goes back to my house. I like to take it slow. The speed limit signs say 25, but I usually go just 20. Circling the mountain on this road usually takes me about 15 minutes. Not too long, not too short. I was listening to the guys on this podcast, arguing over whether or not the mom from Malcolm in the Middle was hot, when I suddenly saw something in the road up ahead. It looked like a little mound of something. It didn't seem to be moving. I came to a full stop about 15 feet away from it. Whatever it was, it sat there in the middle of the road. I could easily go around it, but my curiosity was piqued. I was wondering if this was one of my distant neighbor's dogs or something. Poor thing might have gotten run over. But with how large it was, and how messy and long the fur was, the only way this could be my neighbor's dog was if they had a massive Irish wolfhound. Slowly I convinced myself that it had to be some sort of dog. We didn't have wolves around here, and it didn't seem to be a mountain lion or bear. I eventually did convince myself it had to be one of my neighbor's dogs. Then I began to wonder, if this was my dog in the middle of the road, possibly dead, after having been run over, wouldn't I want someone to tell me, or even bring it back? With yet another sigh, I decided I was going to get out of the car and approach this mound of unmoving fur. I opened my car door and stepped out in my loafers. Slowly, I shuffled towards this furry thing. I kept a good eye on it, observing it, making sure it wasn't moving. In my head, the worst-case scenario would be it was a bear, and it would wake up when I got to it and run away scared from me, and I'd run away scared back to my car. But that's definitely not a fright I wanted, so I was approaching it as cautiously as possible. Eventually, I was standing over it, looking down. I remember almost choking from the sudden gasp I made. The face was definitely the face of a large dog, It had pointed ears and a very long snout, which lay opened on the pavement, the tongue spewed out and laying on the road. Dozens of extremely sharp and large teeth were shown clearly due to the way its mouth hung open. I was absolutely astonished. This thing didn't have front legs. Those were arms, I swear to God. They looked exactly like a grown man's arms covered in hair and the back legs seemed overly long and way too bent, like an exaggerated version of a dog's. I was both amazed and absolutely confused. I didn't know what I was looking at. Was this a dog? Some sort of weird bear? Maybe whatever it used to be got hit by the car so hard, it just mangled it. and made it look like, well, this. When you see something so crazy... Sometimes your mind will struggle to make sense of it, and it believes anything else besides what you're actually thinking deep down. After all, who hasn't seen a horror film with a werewolf in it? Way back in my mind, I knew that what I was looking at seemed familiar. I'd seen things similar to this in movies. But those were movies, I told myself. Nothing like that could be real. My mouth was open as I stared at it. I didn't see any blood, no sign of injury. Suddenly, a gnat or mosquito or something flew right down my throat, apparently trying to become part of my respiratory tract. I choked and coughed it up. I'd taken my eyes off the creature for only a moment. Still, only a couple of feet away, I looked back down and nearly screamed. The creature in the road had turned and raised its head and was staring at me. Its head was bobbing a little bit to the side and it didn't open its eyes all the way. I took a step backward when suddenly the creature snapped with its mouth at my closest leg. Thankfully, it missed by a wide margin. I ran like a scared child back to my car. I slammed the door shut and I hit the lock button like 20 times. By the time I looked ahead at the creature in the road, it had picked itself up and it stood on two legs. I remember thinking, you have to be freaking kidding me. Part of me wanted to believe I was still at home, sleeping in my bed, and this was just some nightmare. I watched as this thing that fully resembled a werewolf stumbled off and to the left, which would have been up the mountain, closer to where I lived. It walked off the road and disappeared into the trees. A few seconds after i couldn't see it any longer i floored it down that road i didn't go back home just yet when i came to the turn that would circle me back towards my house i went the other way towards town the thing is i live alone in that house and seeing it take off in the direction of my property i was a little too creeped out to go back home sorry if that makes me sound like a wuss. i wanted to be around other people for a while I don't think I was going back to sleep that night anyway. I found a Waffle House, ordered a coffee and some hash browns and just sat there. I kept getting refills of my coffee and I tried to wait it out until sunrise. After being there for about an hour though, the waitresses seemed to be looking and talking about me, probably wondering why I was there so long. But they didn't say anything to me. A few hours after that, I left for home, eyes completely wide making sure that I didn't see anything weird on the roadsides. That was my experience. It was extremely terrifying for me. That was the last thing I ever thought I'd see on the road, and it quickly made me stop my midnight or late night drives for good. I've never gone back out on the road at night, not unless I absolutely had to. There have been moments when my friends convinced me to go on late night drives with them, on road trips and such, But I beg them not to make me drive after dark, and even when I'm not driving, I'll sit there in the passenger seat and panic a little bit on the inside, my stomach in knots from anxiety. Maybe I'm making too much of a big deal about this. I don't know. But I do know a few things. One, that was no normal animal. It was real and looked exactly like a werewolf would. Two, it tried to bite me. And three, I think the only reason it didn't hurt me was because it was stunned or dazed. I think someone had hit it with their car. That's why it was lying there in the middle of the road. That's why its eyes weren't fully open and why its head was bobbing. That's why it didn't run away, but stumbled away off the road. So the thought I'm left with after all of this is this thing could have mauled me to death, but it wasn't able to because someone hit it with their car. If I'd found this thing in better condition, it terrifies me to think of what would have happened to me. Werewolf of Yellowstone From Terror Former A few years ago, I took a camping trip with my girlfriend at the time to Yellowstone National Park. I'd saved up some vacation days, and I was hoping to propose to my girlfriend on this trip. Being that both of us were nature freaks and loved hiking and camping, this just made sense to me. We arrived at the start of our designated trail on a foggy Saturday morning. Things got weird pretty fast. We'd only been walking the trail for a few minutes, when we heard something big run through the undergrowth just off the path. The two of us stopped. Lynn, my girlfriend, turned to me and asked, Did you hear that? Yeah, didn't see it, though, did you? No, it, it sounded huge, she replied. Are there moose in Yellowstone? Or or bears? I laughed. Yeah, there are both. I doubt it was either, though. Probably just deer. Those are way more common. I'd been to Yellowstone before, but Lynn hadn't. I didn't want her to feel scared right off the bat. Plus, I was being truthful, There were tons of deer out in Yellowstone, at least in my experience. Bears and moose are far less common. And between you and me, I'd rather it be a bear than a moose. We kept walking for a couple of hours, taking a few breaks to take pictures, enjoying the scenery and eating an early lunch. It didn't take long after our last break to make it to the campsite. Lynn helped me pitch the tent and we got a small fire pit going. Hey! There's a creek down there. She pointed down the hillside. I looked down past the rows of pine trees. Sure enough, I caught the shimmer of a little stream. I'm gonna go wash my feet, Lynn said. She didn't wait for a reply before carefully making her way down the hill. I replied anyway. All right, be careful. Don't use any soap in that water. It's a national park. I won't, she called back. I just want to wash off this dirt, I smirked. She wouldn't have gotten dirt in her shoes if she had let me buy her new ones. The pair she had on had to be a couple of years old by now, with a few holes on each shoe. Lynn had always been the type to hold on to things until she had gotten all the use out of them that she could. While she did her thing, I unfolded a chair and sat down. It felt good to finally take a load off. Walking uphill for a couple of hours ain't no joke. We woke up early that morning, too, so I found myself dozing off in no time. Suddenly, Lynn screamed. I shot straight up out of the chair. Lynn? I called out. When I got no response, I ran down the hill, careful not to fall and roll the rest of the way. I found her at the edge of the stream with one shoe on. Her other shoe sat at the edge of the stream. You okay? What happened? I asked her. Without turning to me, she shook her head and stuttered. "'I I was just sitting by the water when something jumped and landed literally right next to me in the stream. It was huge and black, it just... Well, it splashed me because it landed on the water, then just ran off.' (laughs) "'What?' I smiled. "'Sounds like you spooked an animal and didn't know it. Probably didn't even see you until it was next to you.' "'Are there wolves out here, Taylor?' Or wild dogs? Lynn looked around. She was frantic in her movements. Wild dogs? Uh, I I don't think so. I could be wrong, though. As for wolves, yeah, but there are so few of them, I doubt that's what it was. Taylor, I saw it. It was way bigger than me, with dark fur, and it looked like a wolf. Oh, that's scary. But, hon, if it was a wolf, I wouldn't worry. They're scared of people hence why it ran off like that. I explained to her to make her feel better. I wasn't sure she saw a wolf. Odds were it was something else entirely, but I didn't want to be a jerk and tell her it was nothing. Okay, she said, finally calming down. She turned towards me. Would you please grab my other shoe? Sure, babe, I chuckled. It's not funny, I'm seriously scared. She half-smiled and punched me in the shoulder. I know, I know, we're gonna be just fine. I grabbed the shoe and gave it to her, then followed her back up the hill. We settled into our campsite for a while. It was only midday by then, or close to it. Lynn read a book. She was really into true crime novels. I wasn't much into reading, but I did love to listen to her tell me about her books when she was done. Way more fun of a way to enjoy a book, for me anyway hearing the story from someone who's really excited about it. While she did that, I checked the cooler. We had plenty of ice still to keep the drinks cool until the afternoon. We'd only brought bottles of water to drink, so even without the ice, we'd be fine drinking warm water. We had hot dogs in there too, but by the time the ice melted, we'd have already eaten them. After that, I grabbed my knife and the hunk of wood from my bag. I'd been whittling an eagle for the past week, I wasn't very good at whittling, but it was a really fun way to pass the time. A while later, I asked Lynn, "'You up for some fishing?' "'Yeah,' she replied. "'I'd rather catch something than have hot dogs for dinner, even if that means they end up spoiling.'" "'Same, actually,' I said, getting up and stretching. We grabbed our fishing gear and carried along the trail ahead, I'd been here before, so I knew there was a medium-sized pond not too far away. Maybe just a ten-minute walk from the campsite. Before long, we could see the pond. We were maybe twenty yards from it when I stopped. Because, straight ahead of me, I heard growling. Hold on, babe. I raised my arm to make sure she stopped. What is that? She whispered. I don't know. Sounds like a dog. Or wolf. She interrupted matter-of-factly. We stayed still for a moment. The growling was definitely coming from up ahead of us. There was some overgrown weeds and grass to get through before we made it to the pond, so whatever it was, it must have been hidden in there. For a second, I was afraid we'd stumbled upon a bear, or heck, even a wolf, that was eating. Otherwise, I wouldn't think those sorts of animals would bother us. Throw a rock at it, Lynn whispered to me. I don't know about that. I don't want to bend over and make myself look any smaller. Hey! I began to wave my arms as high in the air as I could while shouting. I kept thinking, this is what you do in case of an animal encounter, right? Make yourself loud and big and scary to them. Go on, get out of here! Well, that did work, but not in the way I was expecting. The thing revealed itself standing to full height out of the weeds, which were only a few feet tall because we could look over them and see the pond. I heard Lynn gasp behind me, dropping her fishing pole. I watched unbreathing as the head of a wolf rose out of those weeds to four feet, five feet, no, six feet off the ground, if not more. It walked sideways, leering at us, with its head lowered. An unexpected arm covered in fur, reached out and latched on to a nearby young tree. Then the creature pulled its weight towards the tree as it began to walk off to the left where the brush was thickest. Obviously, it wasn't a wolf or any animal I'd ever seen. What in the world was that? Lin said when we could no longer hear the thing walking. I have no idea, was all I could say. I turned around, and I began to walk back up the trail. I think we should leave, I told her. She nodded in total agreement. She turned to go back up the trail, too, when a sound echoed behind us. A dreadful, terrible sound, heavy footsteps coming right towards us. Run, I told Lynn. I dropped my rod and tackle box and ran, too, making sure to keep myself behind her. Why was it chasing us now, I wondered, but then I realized I had turned my back on the creature when I thought it was gone. Though we couldn't see it anymore, it must have still been watching us. It didn't take long before I could hear it snarling as it chased us. I think Lynn was crying. I was covered in chills. I don't think I'd ever been so afraid. I searched my pocket for my whittling knife and opened it. It was tiny, but it was the most I had to defend myself. Quickly, we made it back to the camp. Don't stop, I told Lynn. Back to the car. We passed the campsite. I listened behind us as the footsteps and snarling stopped at the camp. My guess was the campsite had our scent in it, so it was either cautious or curious of it. Not to mention I'd left the cooler with the water bottles and hot dogs in it, so maybe it was going to enjoy our dinner. As long as it wasn't us, I told myself. But we ran for another 45 minutes or so, before making it back to the car and practically collapsing in it. Without a word, we drove away. When we got back to our apartment later that night, we discussed the event. We both agreed on what we saw. A monster of a creature that looked very much like a wolf, except it was too large and somehow had arms instead of front legs. I was still shaken up pretty bad but I was also extremely relieved. You see, I'd kept the ring for the proposal in my bag at the campsite up until we got up to go fishing. If I hadn't decided to stick it into my pocket just as we got up to go fishing, it would have wound up abandoned at that camp. The thought of going back there to look for it scared me because I knew I would force myself to go back anyway. Thankfully, it was still in my pocket, Lynn and I are happily married now with a baby on the way. And you bet your butt I'm going to be telling our kid this story. My Friend's Encounters with a Dogman From Sneaves0328 on Discord A few months back, one of my friends opened up to me about a creature he said he encountered two times around New Jersey where my mother lives. This same friend and I believe we encountered a skinwalker in the past while in New Jersey, and he told me when he was just a boy, he saw something in the fields next to his house. Whatever he saw still terrifies him to this day. He's had two encounters with this creature, one in the middle of the day when he was a boy, and one waking up in the middle of the night here are his encounters with an alleged dog man these will be told from his perspective i've lived in new jersey all my life since i was a kid i've had all sorts of paranormal and unexplained creature encounters i'm a heavy believer in the supernatural i believe in dogmen and other cryptids well something happened on a clear sunny day as I was walking alongside a trail that was close to my house. I was only about 7 or 8 years old at the time. It was so beautiful out, and as a young kid, I was just taking it all in. I was having an adventure, picturing myself just running through the open fields waiting for mom and dad to get home. The trail I was on had wonderful scenery all around. Tall grass and miles of fields to my left and dense forest to my right. I was just walking through the woods, as whenever my parents weren't home, that's what I would do. The smell of the woods and the chirping of the birds, it was all so intoxicating. But then, the woods around me fell silent. It felt as if someone or something was watching me, and my eyes darted around the entire area. I looked over to my left, and I noticed something in the tall grass. To me, it looked like a big dog but then I realized it was crouched down like a man would be if he were trying to hide in the grass. This animal was covered in brown fur and it seemed to have a muzzle and ears similar to that of a German shepherd. Its eyes were red. I was mostly curious at the time, but I was on edge, scared just enough that I acted like I didn't notice it. And I just went along my day, soon starting to run back to my house. I never spoke about this encounter with any of my family, as they'd think I'm crazy, but that was my first encounter with what I believed to be a dogman. The second encounter only happened about four or five years ago. At this point, I lived in a different house. This house was close to a large forest, and the biggest predators I'd seen around there had been either coyotes or foxes. However, what I saw that night was no coyote. I woke up in the middle of the night with my throat dry, and I needed to get a drink. I went to the kitchen to get some water. When I felt a sudden sense of dread, it felt as if I was being watched. I looked into the window close to where I was, and, to my horror, I saw this huge animal in my backyard. Whatever it was, it noticed me, and it was staring at me with these red eyes. I felt utterly terrified. I saw the animal bare its teeth at me and stand up on two legs. The creature began to growl. I could hear it clearly as my window was slightly open. I also saw its breath coming out of its mouth, and I understood this was real. The animal before me was in fact real. It looked to be about seven to eight feet tall on both legs, with the head of a German shepherd and a body shaped like a bodybuilder. Whatever it was, it looked at the fence suddenly, then ran off towards it, then jumped across it, into the woods below. I went back to my bed, terrified. I couldn't sleep at all that night. These two encounters with these beings have shaken me to my core and made me understand there are creatures that science refuses to recognize the curious dogman of waha woods from travis the hunter this happened about 2 years ago it was the first odd thing to happen to me i was an outdoorsy kid and my grandparents had brought me up to their cottage for a week The first few days were fine. We went fishing, swimming, and all that fun stuff. But the last three days were the worst. I was outside practicing with my bow for when I go hunting. I brought my bow back inside, and I told my grandparents that I'd be taking a nap on the rocks behind the cottage. I don't know how long I napped for. When I came to, it was getting late. My grandparents made dinner, so I went back inside and we ate and later we went to sleep. I woke up in the middle of the night, and I checked my watch, which I could read in the dark. It read 3 a.m. When I looked around me, I noticed I was outside again. How did I wake up outside, I wondered. I was confused, but then I heard a low howl, the lowest howl I'd ever heard. It sounded like a bison and a wolf mixed. I was horrified when I heard that. But what I would see next would make me tear up. There was something barely illuminated by the dim moon. A giant, gray, wolf-looking creature. It walked out from behind a giant cedar tree. It stood there on its hind legs and began to walk towards me. It seemed curious. I sat there petrified. I felt that if I got up, Its predator instincts would kick in and it would chase me all the way to the front door if I could make it there. So I stayed there in fear, wondering if I was going to die. But then it began to sniff me. And after that, I think I blacked out. Because when I woke up again, I was in a hut that I didn't recognize. I was covered in dirt and my head was aching. As soon as I remembered that creature, I got up and ran back to the cottage, crying, because I know I could have died, I could have been eaten by that thing. I ran as fast as I could, just to feel some sort of safety. Keep in mind, I was not a very fit looking kid, I had beefy legs and wasn't able to run very far without feeling sick. When I burst through the tree line, I found myself by the Trans-Canada Highway. I cried but then I heard something coming from the forest behind me. I stood my ground, waiting for that thing to lunge out at me. Instead of that creature, I was greeted by a warden who was looking for me and saw me running through the woods. I burst into tears and laughed, but that was followed by me throwing up because I'd been running for so long. I took a couple of minutes to breathe and I told the warden to follow me. I showed him where I woke up, the little hut I'd run away from. He looked as pale as a ghost. He screamed to get behind him, but as soon as I got behind him, I heard this howl, the same one I'd heard the night before. The warden held tight to his 12-gauge. Then that creature from before walked out from the hut. He fired at it, and it took off into the forest so fast I have no idea if he actually hit it seemingly as scared as i was the warden bent down and asked me if that was what took me i nodded my head signaling yes he walked me down to the search party camp where my grandparents had been sitting and waiting for the warden to give them good news they ran to me and i'd never seen my grandpa cry before he was a bold and stern man who always seemed serious i told them what happened They were just glad i was okay but a warden pointed out that i had marks on my back and legs all in all i was okay i would soon learn i'd been missing for two days within 45 minutes my grandparents brought me to the nearest hospital in north bay where i stayed the night and my grandpa stayed in the truck while grandma stayed in the hospital with me the next morning the nurse came into the room and told us it was a miracle that I was able to walk already, and that I had no bite marks. I went home with painkiller. Yet now I'm forever scarred, thanks to that night and those claws. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Check out betterhelp.com dpp. Life is tough on all of us. It can already be so difficult to avoid or power through those things that stress you out or drain you. Personally, I find myself unable to enjoy the things I used to like, and I struggle to stay motivated. Luckily, finding help doesn't have to be hard, because there is BetterHelp Online Therapy. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Unload the stressors and get some unbiased feedback. You'd be pretty surprised at what you might gain from it. See if it's for you. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and darkness prevails listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com/dpp that's b e t t e r h e l p.com/dpp thank you BetterHelp. the following story is a creepy pasta we got lost in the sea of trees written by kobe 80 it was at the start of october when my friends and i decided to visit the island of honshu for my friend blake's 17th birthday my parents made the decision to take us themselves with some money they had been saving up for travel my friends ricky blake chris and i have always been interested in horror related things so we thought it would be perfect to go to one of blake's favorite locations during his birthday we planned on staying for a week to explore the island's tourist spots but we were mainly there for the aokigahara well known as japan's sea of trees a famous forest near mount fuji renowned for the fact that people go there to end their lives. After a day of resting in our hotel room, we planned to explore the island for the entire day, and in the evening, we would visit the forest. When we arrived, there weren't many people like we'd expected. The parking area had only about three other cars, and one of those cars had people getting into it, getting ready to leave. My parents gave us a time for us to meet them back in the parking area before leaving us to go to their own affairs. The very moment we set foot on the hiking trail, a chill ran down my spine. The place was so eerie, and I was beginning to feel the slightest bit of dread, which I found weird. I love going to places like this. Guys, are you sure we should do this so late at night? What if we accidentally stray off the trail? We could get lost. I mustered up the courage to speak to my friends about my thoughts. No way. Don't tell us you're scared already, Kobe. We just got started. Chris laughed at me, dumbfounded. Ricky laughed alongside him. It'll be fine, just follow my lead. Blake sprinted ahead of us, causing Chris and Ricky to sprint after him with a roar of laughter. Despite their comfortable demeanor, I still couldn't ignore that feeling in my stomach. Something in my body was telling me to leave. My train of thought was interrupted by a yell from Ricky. Kobe, hurry up, you're so slow, dude. With that, I followed after them as fast as I could, not wanting to be alone at that moment. We walked for around an hour without anything eventful happening. I followed Blake. Chris and Ricky were behind us. Well, at least that's what I thought, when I turned around to acknowledge Chris talking, I didn't see Chris walking behind him anymore. Guys? Chris stopped talking and looked behind him to see what I was looking at. Where's Ricky? We all looked around the area but had no luck finding him. Chris yelled out his name as loud as he could. I was beginning to panic. Aside from Chris, Ricky was the most talkative out of the four of us. How had we not noticed that he was gone? How long had he been missing without us knowing? Kobe, call your parents. I'll contact the police. Blake reached for his phone, but realized only then it was dead. I grabbed my own and noticed we had no service. Ricky, we heard Chris quietly whisper. He was staring off into the distance like he could see someone walking near us. Blake and I stood next to him to have a better look at the direction he was staring, but no one was there. Ricky, wait. Chris suddenly blurted out before taking off into the forest, right off the hiking trail. Chris, wait. Where are you going? Blake chased after him, and I followed right behind him. Ahead of us, I could see a white silhouette walking away. Is that what Chris saw? Maybe it really was Ricky. Blake, do you see that? I pointed at the figure. Blake squinted in front of us before his eyes widened. He grabbed a hold of Chris's arm and pulled him back, causing them both to fall to the ground. I stopped and stared in the direction of where that thing was. Now it was gone, like it had vanished from existence. What are you doing? That could have been Ricky. Chris ripped his arm out of Blake's grasp and started running again, but stopped when he saw that the figure was gone. Blake stood up and dusted himself off. I took note of him, trembling as he did so. That wasn't Ricky, he mumbled. He shot a look towards me. Why haven't you called your parents yet? My phone's dead. I felt around in my pockets for my phone, but it was gone. I just had it before we chased after Chris. Where could it have gone? I don't have mine, I told him. Blake sighed in annoyance. If that wasn't Ricky, then who could it have been? There were barely any others at the parking area earlier, and we hadn't seen anyone on the hiking trail for an hour. Chris began to rant, a habit he had when he began to get anxious. Our conversation came to an abrupt stop when we heard a blood-curdling scream surround us. It came from all directions, though it was only one scream, and it almost didn't even sound human. What on earth was that? Chris's voice could be heard beside me. I looked towards him. He had his phone in his hand, but he too had no signal. We need to get back to the hiking trail. We can't afford to get lost, I pointed out. Right as I turned to start walking in the opposite direction, I felt something grab my arm. I turned, expecting either Blake or Chris, but instead I was met with nothing. No one was there but even then I could still feel someone tightly gripping my arm. I struggled to get free, and I felt it let go of me. I fell onto the leaves with a loud thump. What the heck are you doing, Kobe? Chris held out his hand to me to help me up. When I got up, I heard Blake let out a gasp. What happened to your arm? I looked down at my arm, only to see blood dripping down from scratches on my skin. I put my hand over it and winced. Did that thing do this to me? Something grabbed me, I explained. Chris shivered, seemingly beginning to get the chills. Both of us jumped when we heard Blake scream. When we turned over to see what was wrong, he was being dragged away by the ankle, Although there was nothing there that could have grabbed him, he was moving at an inhuman speed. We took off after him in hopes of saving him. His screaming stopped when he suddenly hit his head on a rock. He was dropped to the ground, and we heard footsteps running further away. We ran towards where he was lying. Oh god, Blake, are you okay? What was that? Chris panicked beside me. I took off my jacket and laid it beneath Blake's head, careful as to not hurt him. I looked up at the sky. The moon was right above us. Would my parents know we were missing by now? Wait here with Blake. I'll start looking for the trail. I stood up to leave, but immediately, Chris grabs my wrist. Are you insane? What if you go missing like Ricky? He stood up using my wrist to help him stand steadily. We're not that far from the trail. I I won't get lost. I pushed his hand off my wrist. I'll be back, don't worry. I began to walk in the direction of where we originally came from. I followed any familiar trees or leaves that were out of place on the ground, but the farther I went, the more the path felt repetitive. I noticed a tree with a branch that had fallen off, maybe from a storm. I swear I passed that tree four times already. Kobe! Kobe! I heard Ricky's voice call out to me. I turned quickly and saw him standing beside a tree. I quickly ran towards him, relief washing over me at not only seeing a familiar face, but also having found my friend. Ricky, where have you been? We were worried sick about you. I grabbed his shoulders and shook him. He was pale and his face was drained of all emotion. He stared at me as I checked him for any injuries. Ricky? Ricky? Do you hear me? Ricky? He blinked twice before finally responding. I got lost. Something was off. He was holding something back, but I ignored it and moved on. Okay, let's go back to Chris and Blake for now. I was trying to find the trail, but... I cut myself off, realizing that trying to explain that I saw the same tree several times and nearly got myself lost wouldn't make much sense. We began to walk back to where our friends were. Something was off. It felt like we were being watched. I looked around, but I didn't see anything out of the ordinary. When we got back, my heart dropped to my stomach. I saw Blake lying on the ground, still unconscious, but no sign of Chris, this couldn't be happening. I just found Ricky. Ricky sat down next to Blake and noticed the little amount of blood dripping down from his head. What happened to Blake? He asked. I explained what happened earlier. The story left him trembling. I also told him about what happened to my arm. We should have brought first aid. Ricky, we both turned towards the voice and saw Chris standing behind us. You're okay. Thank God. He was interrupted by a weird sound, like branches cracking on the ground. Behind him stood a girl with long black hair that covered her face. She wore a white dress, but she had no shoes on. It was far too cold out here for her to be dressed like she was. Chris slowly walked back towards us, his hand over his mouth. The girl turned steadily towards us and began to let out low chuckles. She had a voice that didn't sound like it should have come from a petite girl like herself. As she laughed, she slowly raised her head up. Her hair moved away from her face. When her entire face was revealed, I began to feel nauseous. Her eyes were completely black, and her mouth looked as if it was rotting out. On her forehead, the word LEAVE was carved in all caps. She began to run towards us, and Chris fell back. The three of us began to scream. I closed my eyes and felt goosebumps cover my body. Kobe! I heard my mom's voice call out to me. I opened my eyes and saw my parents along with a couple of police officers. I looked around and noticed that the girl was now gone. I looked over at my friends to see if they were okay. Chris and Ricky both were beside me and Blake was still behind us but police officers were helping carry him away. We were able to leave that forest alive, but our lives were never the same after that. Ricky still has night terrors. Blake gets migraines now due to his head injury. All four of us promised to never go to a place like that again. Well, at least not unprepared. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? This particular story is one of my most recent paranormal experiences. This is the most profound paranormal experience I have ever had, or should I say experience is, as it was experienced on multiple dates with multiple witnesses. I am a single full-time father raising two children on my own. I have an 8-year-old son and a 17-year-old daughter. Both mothers are not really involved in the children's lives. Yes, I've got two baby mamas, Matter of fact, my daughter has helped me raise her little brother because I work full-time, and she'd walk him to school and watch him after school. My son's mother would come and go out of our lives. I loved her dearly, but she always wanted to be everywhere else but here with us. She lived a street life, and sadly was addicted to substances and was homeless. Her lifestyle choices eventually brought her life to a demise in 2019, which broke all our hearts and my kids and I mourn her death to this day. After my son's mother passed away, paranormal activity started happening in my house. Now, I don't know if it's her or if it was some type of guardian angel, but the paranormal activity that was happening led to an event that basically saved my life and my children's lives. One morning, my kids and I woke up to a strong smell of sage in the house, The smell was very strong, as if my house had been smudged, but I never smudge my house. My son's mother was Native American and her mother and aunt both know how to do smudge cleanses. In Native American culture, they believe the smoke from burned sage can cleanse people's bodies and people's dwellings of negative energies. I theorized that this smell could be a paranormal manifestation, a sign that her spirit was visiting. Nothing happened after that. It was bizarre, and we all smelled it. I even went outside both front and back yards to take a big whiff of air to try and see if the smell was coming from outside, but the smell could only be smelled in the house. I mentioned the event to my son's grandmother, that we smelled smudge in the house. She's the mother of my son's mother who passed away. Let's call her V. V got worried because apparently in her culture it's believed that if one smells burned sage in a house without anyone actually having burned sage, it means that the person might have a negative energy in the home. I personally did not feel any malevolent presence, but she was concerned and asked me if she can smudge the house herself. I told her she could, and a few days later she did. A month or so goes by after we smudged the house and another paranormal event happened. This one happened in my living room and my eight-year-old son and friend both bore witness to this event. My son, his friend, and I are sitting on the couch in the living room, when, unexpectedly, a picture flew off the wall and landed on the floor. When I say it flew, I mean it flew. It didn't just fall straight down. We all looked at each other, stunned, and I say to my son and his friend, Did you see that? They both nodded their heads, I go pick up the picture off the floor, and it's a picture of a collage. It's a collage of words and short sentences that correlate to the word love, crisscrossing each other. I put the picture back on the nail, and started trying to naturally explain away how it got flung off the nail. In my other stories, I've mentioned I'm a paranormal investigator by hobby, and one thing an investigator must always do is try and debunk everything and try and find a reasonable explanation so I proceeded to do this with my son and his friend watching. I jumped really hard beside the wall it hung on, but nothing happened. It stayed put. I blew really hard at the picture. Once again, it stayed put. I even banged at and tried to shake the wall without breaking the drywall in the process, and still it stayed put. Each new thing I tried I started believing more and more that this thing somehow actually flew off by some unseen paranormal force. So I decided to put my finger on the bottom left of the frame and flunk it upward, towards the right, since that's how we saw it fly off in the first place. When I flung it off that way, it was almost exact to what we saw, and it even landed roughly in the same area. My investigation concluded that thing was definitely flung off of its nail by an unseen force. My son and I were not scared, but I was a little worried, because I just didn't know who or what it was. Up until that point, I've only ever experienced paranormal activity outside my home, at haunted locations I ventured to. I've never really experienced poltergeist activity in my own home. I obviously theorized it's my son's mother because she was the one that bought that pick, and also was the one who hung it up. But at the end of the day, I don't really know and I'll admit I was scared to engage with it, so I ignored it, and I didn't mention it to V. Life went on and nothing happened for a bit, but then a month or so goes by after the picture was flung off the wall and another paranormal event transpired. This one was spooky. Like, super spooky. My son was taking a bath by himself in the washroom. He gets out, comes down and says in a scared voice, Dad, the lid on the toilet seat opened and shut by itself a bunch of times. When he told me that, I got shivers up my spine. I felt a bit of dread and then anger. I told him, don't be scared. I'll take care of this. I know it's corny, but what else am I going to say to the kid? I marched up to the washroom, closed the door, and I started to engage in conversation with what I thought to believe was a ghost in my house. I say to it in an angry and stern voice with authority, I don't know who you are, but you don't dare pick on my son. I am a spirit operating a body and you are a disembodied spirit. I'm supposed to be here and you are not. You need to go to the light, and if you don't want to go to the light, you need to leave this house immediately. This time, I got the courage to engage in conversation. I took my phone out and tried to capture an EVP. It's 2021, and I'm sure everyone knows what an EVP is. But in case you don't know, EVP stands for Electronic Voice Phenomena. There are two main scientific hypotheses of EVPs. One is that the spirit voice cannot be heard by the human ear because the sound frequency is too low. And the other which i believe to be the accurate one is that the spirit's voice is not manipulating the air to produce sounds like our vocal cords would but the spirit is using electromagnetic energy and the magnet in the recorder on recording devices picks it up this can be demonstrated by getting copper coil wire attaching it to an auxiliary cord and plugging the cord into the headphone spot on your phone when you push play your ears can't hear the electromagnetic signal being broadcast out of the copper coil But if one puts an audio recorder beside the copper coil, the magnet in the recorder will pick it up, and you can hear what is being played. It's pretty cool, and for the record, I've captured EVPs in the past, and once you catch one for yourself, your perception of reality changes. So I opened up the audio recorder on my phone and began to record. I asked with a more calm voice, Who are you? I stayed quiet so that when I replayed it, Maybe there would be a voice there talking back to me. But before I stopped to review, I asked more questions. Why are you here? Stay quiet. Do you need help? Stay quiet. I stopped recording and pushed play, and to my surprise, there were no responses at all, just dead quiet. Once my son saw me go confront the wind in the washroom, I could tell it really helped him. He's a tough kid. He's not afraid of that washroom and even slept by himself that night. I had no choice but to brush it off and continue my life. And for the record, I never actually saw the toilet seat do this, but I don't think my son would have made it up. Another month goes by, and something else happens. At this point, I'm beginning to notice a pattern. Paranormal activity would happen once a month or every other month. This event transpired around 9 p.m., I was going to bed because I have to wake up for work at 6 in the morning. My daughter and son both stay up and chill in the living room watching TV. I'm upstairs, just starting to doze off, when all of a sudden, both my daughter and my son burst into my bedroom, frightened, and say to me, There was a big bang in the kitchen! Someone's trying to break in! We do live in an area known for crime to happen, so I got scared. Immediately I got up and ran downstairs in my boxers. The kitchen light was turned off. So I turned it on and I proceeded to walk to my back door. It's locked. No one's outside. I looked around the kitchen and I noticed on my stove lay a big cup that I would keep tea bags inside and on the front of the cup you can see the word tea. This big ceramic cup or mug I should say was not on the stove before I went to bed. It was placed on top of this mini oven that is placed on the counter directly to the right of the stove. So this thing obviously fell from the mini oven onto my stove, which caused a big bang. But how? Now that I determined we're not in any danger from criminals, my paranormal investigative brain kicks into gear. I tell my daughter and son to go sit on the couch in the living room. I put the big cup or mug back on the mini oven and I stare at it. I slowly push it off the mini oven and let it fall onto the stove. It was loud, as the big ceramic cup hits the metal on the stove. I call out to the kids, is that the noise you heard? They both respond loudly, yes. So I tell them to come into the kitchen, and I explain. That noise you heard was this cup falling onto the stove. We all look at each other confused. We all know what the other is thinking. Is it a ghost? But we're not scared. I felt like a proud father at the moment because I got some tough kids. I say, how do you think this fell? It doesn't make sense. My daughter suggested, try blowing on it. I laugh and say, there's no way in heck me blowing on it's going to move that. I blow on it and obviously it does nothing, and we laugh together. I straight up tell both of them and show them. The only way for this to fall off from here, something would have to push it like this. Once again, I slowly pushed it off, and it makes that loud bang again. It even landed roughly in the same place as I found it. All three of us come to the conclusion that it was pushed by an unseen force. Once again, I'm worried because I don't know the intentions of this spirit. Why is this spirit doing poltergeist activity in my home? I wondered. I then went back to bed, and so did the kids, and nothing happened for the rest of the night. Nor did anything happen in the upcoming days and weeks. The following morning after the cup fell onto the stove, I shared my experience on Facebook. Some people said I have a demon, but I swear we felt no malevolent presence. Like, honestly, we weren't even scared. Another person suggested that I might have mice, and a mouse knocked it over. I said to myself, Dang, that actually sounds like the most reasonable explanation to explain away how that fell. So after work, when I got home, I proceeded to do some mice hunting. I looked everywhere, under the stove, under the fridge, in all the cupboards and all the counters, and found nothing. Not one drop of mouse poo. It wasn't mice. So what is it? I say to myself, it's gotta be a ghost. To this day, I've never seen any mice in my house. Once again another month or so goes by and something else happened. This time I was the only one who experienced this. It happened late at night, when I got up to go to the bathroom. I was half asleep. Before I tell you what happened, I have to explain the layout of the washroom. My washroom is small. As soon as you open the door, on the left is a small sink with a mirror. To the right of the sink is a wall that holds the pipes to my bathtub and shower head. And to the right of the wall is the bathtub and showerhead. Beside the bathtub is the toilet. If you sit on it, you can touch the bathtub. I go into my washroom, do my business, and as I'm walking out, I hear three fast consecutive knocks on the wall beside the sink. And then I hear something drop. You know when you drop that candy, Smarties, on the ground, like on tiles, hardwood floor, or laminate flooring, and it bounces a bunch? That's what it sounded like. I have tiles in my washroom. After I hear this, I walk out of the washroom and towards my room because I'm tired. But I replay the three knocks and the weird noise in my head, and I say to myself, Okay, you can't just brush this off. You gotta go back in there and see what it was. I go back in the washroom and honestly felt a presence for sure. I definitely didn't feel alone. I started by looking on the ground and I saw an Advil pill on the floor. I'll be 100% honest with you, I didn't have Advil in my house at all, so this freaked me out. I explained the pill away, thinking it could have fell out of a purse of one of the many girls I hung out with back then. Either way, I'm freaked out. Not just trying to understand how it got there, but even if I can't explain it away, it's scary. Because what if my son had seen it and swallowed it? I then picked it up and dropped it on the tile floor. I freaked myself right out, That was the exact noise I'd heard, but it wasn't the same pattern of bouncing. I started dropping it from different elevations, until I repeated and synchronized the sound of me dropping it with the sound in my head that I remembered. I found out roughly what height that pill would have needed to be dropped from to make that sound. I did consider the fact that because I was tired, I could have accidentally kicked the pill, or it could have gotten stuck to my foot and dropped as I was walking and not noticed but i repeated the events in my head many times replaying it i had finished doing my business i had turned around i walked towards the door i heard three knocks and the sound of the pill dropping i had no socks on i would assume i'd feel the pill if my bare foot touched it and if i kicked it or it would have gotten stuck to my foot and fallen off and if that was the case it would have been flung and not just dropped also the height of it being dropped was a bit higher than the strut of my foot I distinctly remember hearing the three knocks before I even heard the pill drop, but it dropped as soon as the third knock finished. Nothing right now made sense to me, and I was spooked, but not panicked. Spooked, but not scared, if that makes sense. I don't know, I'm just trying to be tough, I guess. But let's be honest. Three knocks is super freaky, because they say the number three represents demonic activity. Christians believe it's the mocking of the Trinity, for the record, I'm not Christian. I lay in bed and tried to get to sleep, but couldn't. I was remembering what happened and also thinking of ways to deal with this from information I'd gathered over years of research in the occult with an open mind. So I start to imagine white light being created on my closet door. I try to maintain my imagination, picturing this white light on my closet super bright. As I do this, I tell the spirit to go to the light and leave. Yeah, I know, I sound like a whack job, but when freaky stuff happens to you, you might consider some of it to be real. After all, the word occult comes from the Latin word occultare, which translates to hidden knowledge. They say our imaginations have an effect on the spirit realm, and we can all help spirits this way by creating light with our third eyes, through our imaginations, to help souls cross over. I don't know how much truth there is to that, but hey, I decided I'd try and in fact was my first time trying. I fell asleep and nothing else happened. From there I was anticipating the next paranormal event. Time went on and nothing happened. I began to realize the paranormal activity was being centered around the bathroom and kitchen. At one point my son is in the bathtub. I'm downstairs in the kitchen sitting at the kitchen table. The table is directly below the kitchen light both the light and table are both below the bathtub water starts dripping from the ceiling and around the light this freaked me out i didn't understand what was happening was my son at risk of the bathtub falling through the ceiling as for the water pouring around the kitchen light thank god the light was turned off or it could have caught fire i ran upstairs to get my son out of the tub and i called my landlord immediately Within one day, my landlord sent out a handyman to see what was going on. He sees on the ceiling where the water dripped from and started to investigate. He then unscrewed the entire light and unattached it from the ceiling. The diameter of the circular light fixture the light bulb sits in is probably a foot in diameter. To his and my horror, almost like a bucket of water just falls on his head on my kitchen floor. He says to me, Holy crap, that's never happened to me before. I say, how do you think all that water got there? He answered, it must be leaking from the washroom somehow. The handyman went upstairs into the washroom. Now remember when I told you the layout of the washroom, sink, wall, then tub. He cuts open a square on the wall in between the sink and bathtub and shower head. The pipe to my bathtub and shower had been leaking onto the light fixture. The handyman looked at me sternly. He said, I don't know how your house didn't burn down. That water had been accumulating on top of your light fixture for some time. That was super creepy, because I'd been actively turning on and off that light all the time, and that whole time there was tons of water accumulating on top of it. One little drop of water while that light is on could set the ceiling on fire and lead to burning down my house. The scarier part is we would leave that kitchen light on at night sometimes what if it had caught fire while we were sleeping we all could have died once the pipe got fixed many months went by and no paranormal activity started happening it's been over a year and to this day no paranormal activity happened in my house again no poltergeist activity nothing my theory is whatever or whoever that was they were trying to warn us about the water accumulating on top of the light fixture Think about it. A cup knocked over in the kitchen, a toilet seat slamming up and down, the three knocks I heard on the wall where the handyman had to cut through to fix the pipe. I don't know if it was my son's mother, or some type of guardian angel, but these paranormal events I just shared with you, they're the most profound experiences I had in my life. What would you do if you went through what we went through, and what do you think of my theory? Hayfield Stalker From Crepuscular Creature It was around the beginning of October of 2020 when I first saw it. I was sitting outside with the cats. I live on a small farm in West Michigan, and my uncle had planted a new hayfield that summer. We'd seen plenty of coyote, a bobcat or two, and even a few cougars, but nothing like this. As I was sitting outside with the cats, My eyes wandered to the cows in the pasture, who were acting strange. They were huddled in a protective circle with the younger ones in the middle, as if they sensed a danger or a storm coming. I was about to go in the house and tell my grandma, but that's when I saw it. This creature was stalking across the new hayfield. Its body and stride reminded me of a coyote, but it had an oddly long tail and small big cat-like ears. I was confused by the build of it, but what confused me more was the coloration. This creature was pure black. I instantly thought it was melanistic, which is basically the opposite of albinism. The animal stalked to one end of the hayfield before turning and walking back to the other, disappearing in the tall grass before reappearing a short time later and doing the same thing over and over again. It just continued to pace as I watched it adding to the confusion of it all. Now, I did find an odd paw print in the driveway, which leads to the new hayfield near the beginning of spring. It looked like a cougar paw print, but the shape was off and the claws were visible and looked similar to a canine's. This paw print showed qualities of a feline and canine, which was very confusing since a crossbreed between the two was impossible. When the creature didn't reappear after heading into the tall grass at the side of the field for the final time, I went inside and told my grandma, who didn't think much of it unless it was posing a threat to us or our animals. I saw the creature pacing back and forth every few nights. It happened so often the cows got used to it and no longer huddled together. I think my grandma saw it one night because I wasn't allowed to go outside at night anymore, which bummed me out. I did try and get a picture of it one night, but my phone camera doesn't zoom in that much and all the pictures were blurry causing the creature to look like a blurry black dot against a chaotic green background. I'm unsure of what it is still, but I'm not willing to go out there and find out. Delivery to the Forest Ranch From Dollar Holler I lived in a comfy little town in northern Texas where, as you drive along those winding roads, you would see gates with titling that would read such and such ranch. Basically it seemed like everything other than some retail buildings was ranch land. Lots of cows, horses, and crops. It's nice if you like the scenery, but if you prefer having things to do, it's not the greatest. I mean, even if you like going camping or hiking, you'd have to drive quite a ways before hitting property that ain't private land. At the time, I worked as a pizza delivery driver. It wasn't a hard job, but dang was it stressful. Delivery just wasn't that profitable when each delivery destination was several miles apart. Driving so much every night really gets to you. In the future, I would come to realize that other delivery places in different towns had mileage restrictions far smaller than what we had at that little pizza place. No joke, I would often drive 15 miles between destinations, though now I know national chains like Domino's restrict their delivery to 5 or 6 miles or so, depending on drive time. Even with the roads having higher speed limits out in that area because of the wide country roads, it would often take me 20 minutes to get to someone's residence. I guess the good news was most folks in that area understood that ordering a pizza meant that the food wouldn't be hot and fresh out of the oven by then. Everyone was still friendly. Seriously, I don't remember a single order that wasn't positive or neutral with the customer. Regarding customers, I never had any holdups, complaints, or arguments. Nothing. Folks were just kind. In the summer, I'd have customers offer me bottled or canned drinks before heading back out. Sorry for the long setup. This brings me to my extremely creepy experience I had, delivering to a certain ranch I will not name. I'd rather not dox a friendly customer's residence just because something happened on their land. We got a call for two large pizzas, both Canadian bacon, my personal favorite. We prepared them, I jumped in my car, checked my gas, and headed out on my way. Always want to double check your gas before and after deliveries. The address was to a ranch 14 miles from the restaurant. Luckily, much of the road there had a speed limit of 70 miles per hour, so I could probably get there with the pizza still hot enough. It was 7.30pm and completely dark by then. There was thunder and lightning on occasion with clouds covering the entirety of the night sky, so between flashes of lightning, it was nearly pitch black out. I got onto the highway and turned on my high beams. There was no oncoming traffic the whole way, so my high beams would be fine. They were practically a necessity, with how often deer would run out onto the road. Several minutes later, I turned right onto a dirt road. This road seemed to get thinner the further I drove along, to the point I was starting to drive extremely cautiously to avoid low-hanging branches and outreaching plants that threatened to scratch my car. I had no idea how close I was to the residence then, or how long this dirt road would go on for. I was so focused on avoiding obstacles that I nearly screamed when I saw something run across the road. It scared the bejesus out of me, to be quite honest. I saw flashes of fur and immediately thought, freaking dear. I breathed in deep and let my heart settle for a second, before continuing on the drive. The moment I stepped on the gas again, though, I heard something slap into the right side of my car. Again, I was terribly startled. I slammed the brake as before and looked over to the passenger side. It was so dark out there. I couldn't see anything outside unless it was being hit by my headlights. I couldn't even see the bushes and tree branches that were nearly close enough to my car to scrape the windows. Seriously? I wondered. What was that? A bird did a bird just fly into my car i was determined to finish this delivery so i could get out of this place as fast as possible after all when two weird things happen back to back a person quickly goes from focused or even bored to on edge i eased off the brake still scanning the surroundings on both sides of me i began to push down slightly on the accelerator Finally, I'm moving again, and for a few moments, everything seemed normal. Then slap, 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 something repeatedly, and in quick succession, slaps my window, the driver window, three times. I swear to God, I hit the brakes and heard someone running into the trees while laughing. I was sure of it then that someone was out here messing with me which possibly meant that someone ordered these pizzas just to make me the victim of their immature pranks. Too frightened to get out of the car, I rolled the window down a slight bit, leaning my face forward, then shouting, knock it off, it It ain't freaking funny. Then I rolled the window back up. The moment the glass hit the top of the door, signaling that it was back in place, I heard something that sent chills down my spine. Keep in mind, I keep my doors locked as I drive. I always have, always did, always will. And yet, somehow, the back passenger door had opened. Immediately, I heard someone hurriedly scoot across the seat to the other side so that they would sit in the seat directly behind mine. I even heard them giggle behind me. There was an undertone to their voice like their vocal cords were all messed up or damaged, maybe from years of smoking or something. My mind conjured images of a druggie rather than kids messing with me on this dark dirt road. Have you ever been so scared that you're too afraid to look in the direction of what's scaring you? That's exactly how I felt. Someone was in my car with me. Heck, the back passenger door was still open. I could not only hear, but also feel someone's breath behind me. Yet, for a moment, I stayed motionless. Eventually, I resolved to turn all at once. I counted down in my head. Three, two, one. I turned so fast I felt the muscles and bones in my neck ache in disagreement. My fist was raised, ready to defend myself as I looked into the back seats. They were empty. But the back passenger door still hung open. Horrified, I swallowed hard and rapidly crawled over through the middle of the car, yanked the door shut, then sat back down in the driver's seat, clicking the lock button repeatedly on the door to lock all the doors in the car. But as i said before they had already been locked i knew i'd felt someone else in that car with me i was certain of it i couldn't just turn away from them again to keep driving every fiber of my being screamed at me to check the trunk the back seats of my car had levers with which you could access the trunk from the interior of the car my paranoia grew telling me that this interloper was still here but they were now hiding in the trunk. Trembling, I crawled over the middle again and lowered one of the seats. I peered into the trunk. It was dark, but I had just enough visibility from the ceiling light that I could tell that there was no one there. I crawled over the middle again, sitting down in the driver's seat and breathing slowly. My eyes were watery with terror, like I was passively crying from feeling so shaken up tap, tap. This time, I didn't hesitate. Instinctively, I turned toward the tapping sound which had come from the driver window just next to me. Someone was pressing their face into the glass from outside. They were there only an extremely brief moment before they took off giggling. I saw them. I swear to God, their entire face was covered in hair, gray hair and their eyes had been solid black. From what I could see, there wasn't an inch of bare skin on them at all. For the quarter of a second that I saw them, they didn't look completely human. I know it makes me sound crazy, but I saw what I saw. They, or it, took off into the woods so fast they were lost in the dark before I could see much else. By then, I was flooring it through the dirt road. I'd never felt so horrified in my life, let alone confused. About two minutes later, I broke through the tree line. Suddenly, I hit the brakes as fast as I could, barely avoiding hitting a gate. I could see a two-story home about half a football field away beyond the gate. The lights were on. The gate was closed. Behind me were those darned woods. I would need to get out to lift the latch on the gate to drive through. Screw that. I'm sorry if it sounds bad on my part, but I blared my car horn over and over and over until I saw someone at the house open the door and begin to walk my way. The last thing on earth I wanted to do in that moment was get out of my car. Not with the woods so close behind me. A man who appeared to be in his 50s came out with a rifle and a flashlight. He opened the gate and walked over to my window. I lowered it. Jesus, boy, you scared the daylights out of me. Everything all right? Yes, sir. I… I just had some trouble getting up here is all. His eyebrow raised at me. You're the pizza guy. Go on ahead and drive through, I'll close the gate after you if you don't mind giving me a lift back to the house. Sure thing, was all I could mutter, though I wasn't sure I was supposed to have any non-employees in my car while on the clock. At the moment, I didn't care. Well, the man did just that. I pulled through, he closed the gate, and then he sat in the passenger seat after I placed the pizzas in the back. You look real shaken up there. You sure you're okay? He insisted. I'll be completely honest with you, sir. I was driving on the road up here where the road's real narrow and all. Then someone started running around my car, hitting it and giving me a pretty bad scare. I explained. Christ, I'm so sorry. He apologized. I glanced at him and he looked genuinely sad. I thought it was over. What? What do you mean? It's... uh... It's nothing to worry about, just just some trouble we've been having around here. The man stepped out after I parked. We were in his driveway now. I grabbed the pizzas and walked with him to the door. He opened it, took the pizzas, then said, One sec. He closed the door. Even though there were porch lights on around me, keeping the darkness at bay, I couldn't help but feel watched by the forest in the distance just beyond the gate. The door opened again, and I nearly jumped. The man stood there, still looking as if he had something to feel guilty about. He still had his rifle, too, but he stretched out his hand to me. Here, take this for your troubles. I kid you not, this man handed me five hundred dollars. Sir, that's too much, I, I can't... I insist, take it. Get back in your car and follow me out into those fields. There's a separate entrance over there. Might take you longer to get back, but it's safe. I know it's safe. Okay, then. Thank you so much, I said. I got back in the car. The older man walked around the house and beckoned me with his free hand. I steadily drove over the grass. His backyard was a well-kept field of grass with a couple of different shed-looking buildings on either side. In the distance, there was another gate. But the closer we got to it, the more I realized it was far less maintained than the other. This entrance really was seldom used. I remember thinking, why didn't he just get back in the car with me and show me where to go? The poor guy was walking another two-thirds of a football field in the dark to show me how to leave. I got to the gate, he opened it, then walked over to my window, gesturing for me to lower it. Now this road is much more wide and the forest ends much sooner, but you'll be on an old logging road that takes a few minutes to get back to the highway. Just go left when the woods ends and you're all set. Thank you again. I'm sorry if the pizzas are all cold by now. I didn't mean to take so long getting here. He shook his head and waved his hand at me. No, 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 don't worry about that. I'm sorry for the trouble. We won't be ordering no delivery for a while. Not till we get this taken care of. Then the man walked away to the gate. I pulled through and kept driving as he shut the gate behind me. I did get a little spooked being back in the woods again, but he was right. A few seconds of a forest drive, and there I was on a one-lane road. Ten minutes later, I was back on the highway, and the ordeal was over. I was able to head back to the restaurant. I couldn't help but wonder, if they were having trouble with the front entrance, why was the back seldom used? What was going on there? I can't honestly tell you much else. I never did get a call to go back to that ranch. None of my coworkers did, either. Believe me, I asked around. In fact, none of them had ever gotten a call from that ranch in the past. I figured that meant the folks living there only made that one call, then stopped calling for deliveries once again. This problem they had, that the man did not explain, it seems they'd been having it for a while. And for the next few years, I worked at that pizza place, and none of us ever did get a call from that ranch. So maybe they never got that problem taken care of. I don't know what's going on in those woods, but I pray that family is all right. I've since moved to Missouri. I work in delivery still, but the drives are far more manageable. To all my friends out there who deliver, stay safe and try to bring some sort of protection. It could be worth it. Remember to keep your gas tanks filled, because if I'd been stranded in those woods with that thing, I don't know what would have happened. The Woman in the Palm Tree From Ranch Girl One morning, my mom took my oldest brother to the heart doctor for his yearly checkup. My youngest brother was at the babysitter's house, who lived in a house behind us. My dad was across the street at the camp house for breakfast, and I was home waiting on the school bus. At the time, we lived close to the main ranch house, It was a bright, sunny morning, and this was my first day at a new school, first grade. We just moved here, and it was my dad's first day as a ranch hand, so he was anxious to leave early. So I was left at home eating my cereal for breakfast. I wasn't done eating my breakfast when I hear our dog, Baby, barking. She was a Ridgeback, and a very protective dog. She hardly left us alone for very long if we were playing outside. Anyway, she started barking, and I went outside thinking it was the bus picking me up, but I didn't see anyone around. The bus wasn't there. Baby began barking and her hair was standing on end. She kept running back and forth, basically telling me not to move. I looked around to see if I could find my dad. I turned to look behind the house and didn't see the babysitter out or anything. I couldn't find anyone else out and about. Then Baby started growling. She was literally up close to my leg, growling loudly. I looked towards where she was looking, and I noticed the only palm tree in the middle of the courtyard. This courtyard separated our home, and it acted as the driveway to the camp house and the sitter's house, but it could also lead out towards other parts of the ranch from the main house. It kind of looked like a roundabout, In the middle of this roundabout was a palm tree on a patch of grass. I noticed a woman dressed in a sky-blue nightgown. She had long black hair, wore makeup, and long red fingernails. She came out of the top of the palm tree. She came out torso first, then all of her was just out floating in the air. Her hair was blowing around her and she began to tell me to come to her using her finger. I shook my head no. She kept using her finger telling me to come towards her. I looked around again and still did not see anyone. So I ran back into the house and hid under the kitchen table. I just hugged my legs, crying. Then I heard and saw all the curtains fall off the windows. I thought she was in the house. I thought she was going to get me. Then I ran outside, and thankfully, the bus was there. Later that day when I came home from school, I was a little brave, so I walked up to the palm tree to see if maybe there was a split in it. Eight-year-old me was just trying to figure out how this woman could have come out of the palm tree like that. If you know anything about Southern Texas, you know there are stickers in the grass. I remember she was barefoot and I was wondering how she even got here with no shoes on. I still think of this day because she seemed so real to me. Who was she? I wish it would leave me alone. From AR. This happened in 2019. In March of that year, I had moved out of my parents' house And after that, my entire life came crashing down. The worst thing that happened wasn't that my boyfriend broke up with me and left me to live alone. It wasn't losing two family members or my best friend. It wasn't getting diagnosed with cancer. The worst thing that happened was finding something horrible in the woods and the consequences that were brought with it. I've always been the type who isn't afraid of much. I work on a ranch, so I've seen a lot of death. Whenever a horse on the ranch died, we would bury it in the pasture. We'd always bury it deep enough that no wild animals could get to the horse. So, it was strange, to say the least, when some of the horses were beginning to get dug up and taken. No one at the ranch knew how someone got that kind of equipment past the security cameras to dig the horses up and transport them. It wasn't until weeks after when my boss and I figured out that someone didn't take the horses. My boss and I were out fixing fences in the late afternoon. It was very cold and starting to get dark. We finally got to where there was a hole in the fence and noticed blood on the barbed wire along with a trail leading into the woods. We both figured a horse had caught itself in the barbed wire and ran off. That was a reasonable assumption since it had happened before. So we quickly fixed the fence and hopped on the quad to go grab some rope, horses, and flashlights. We grabbed two fast and fantastically trained horses and headed out to where we saw the blood trail. My boss had her 9mm pistol and a lasso, while I had a 12-gauge shotgun and a large hunting knife. We followed the trail of blood. It led to a horse that was extremely scared. We roped the horse and brought him back to the barn. As I was walking to my truck I realized that I had dropped my knife. In the morning I would go back to find my knife. The next morning I went back out to where we found the horse. This time it was bright out and I could see my surroundings. What I found was terrifying. There were multiple horse carcasses all around. Each of them had their faces ripped off but nothing else had been eaten. I also found a single boot, a woman's boot. I never found my knife, but I didn't care. I left that place. The weeks after I found those remains were incredibly strange. It started with my truck. I locked it every night, but every morning it would be unlocked. Then I found the glove compartment opened a few days later. Some mornings I would find everything from my center compartment laid out neatly on my seats. Other days, I would find things in my house moved from where I put them. After a shower, the word no would be written in my mirror. I was starting to get spooked, knowing someone or something was in my home. Two weeks after I found the horses, I went to take a shower, and there was a bite taken out of my bar of soap. What kind of psychopath does that? It wasn't until a few weeks later that I began to put some of the pieces together. One morning I woke up and in my living room was the skull of a dead horse. I realize all these creepy things happening to me had to have been because I found all those dead horses. I don't know who or what got inside my house or how it got inside. I just hope it leaves me alone. What was here before us? From Anonymous 1946. I'm a 20-year-old male, and I own a 350-acre ranch in southern Colorado, bordered by BLM land, or Bureau of Land Management land. So there's nothing around us for easily 20 miles, which is where this story takes place. Growing up I was always on a ranch or farm, so I'm no stranger to the trade and I'm not easily surprised. Heck, I've even seen everything from a coyote walking upright on its hind legs to crackheads trying to pet my cattle. Anyway, this particular story is permanently etched into my mind. It was the spring of 2020. I'd just gotten married and was sharing my ranch with my wife, my best friend who for privacy reasons we'll call Art, and his girlfriend. It was around 11 and I was in bed reading. My wife was sound asleep next to me when I heard a bunch of our cattle wailing, like something was scaring them or hurting them. I jumped out of bed and grabbed my 12-gauge and 45 revolver. I ran into the living room, where I met Art. He asked me if I heard the cattle. I said yeah, and said it was probably coyotes messing with the herd, a common occurrence around here especially during calving season, so I told him I would handle it. I got my boots on and headed out to my old Ford pickup. It didn't take me long to find the herd, because in this heat, even at night, they stay close to the watering trough. As I was pulling up, I saw something moving between my truck and the cattle, something scuttling through the grass. I shrugged it off as a straggler coyote. I shut my truck off, but I left the lights on. As soon as I opened the door, I smelled it. Something like rotten eggs. It was almost overwhelming. However, I figured being in a field of cattle, maybe some of their feces had started baking in the sun. It wasn't until I started walking towards the stock tank that I realized something was very wrong. My stock tank is roughly 12 feet in diameter and about 2 feet deep. I have to refill it about twice a day, once in the morning and once in the evening so I definitely would have noticed if something was amiss. The water was stained red with blood and had what looked to be entrails floating in it. But before I could investigate further, something stepped in front of my headlights. Even with my back to the truck, I could see the light temporarily cutting out. By this time, I was pretty on edge. I pulled my shotgun off of my shoulder and slowly turned around, trying to tell myself it was just a curious calf that was standing in front of my truck. I couldn't have been more wrong. What I saw when I turned around stood about seven or eight feet tall, and was much closer than I thought. It was so close that if I wasn't frozen in fear I could have poked it with the barrel of my gun. This thing's skin was tan and pulled tightly over its muscular complexion. Its arms hung by its side, allowing its freakishly long fingers to almost touch the ground its legs were all wrong, backwards bending like a dog's hind legs. I followed its body to its head, something that looked impossibly large. It had no ears I could see, and its nose was nothing more than a couple of slits in its face, but the eyes, they were dead, lifeless like a shark's and a mouth full of jagged teeth. We stood there, that thing and I, for what felt like an eternity, It the hunter and me the prey before it took one step towards me. All the while, the rotting egg smell grew stronger. I simply couldn't will myself to move. It looked down at me before I was knocked to the ground, but the strangest thing was it didn't push me. It was almost like the earth behind me reached up and pulled me to the ground. The last thing I remember before I blacked out was that thing standing over me, one leg on either side of my body. I woke up shortly after with Art and my wife standing over me. It was still dark out, so I had no clue how long I'd been out for. They took me back to the house and asked me what happened. Reluctantly, I told them. I have no doubt they didn't believe me because they told me to sleep it off. I wish this was where the story ended, but the next night, just before sundown, Art and I were sitting on the back porch, when all of a sudden Art grabbed my arm and said, Did you see that? I looked over to where he was pointing, and at first I didn't see anything. But then I saw it. Off in the distance I could see something running, seemingly on all fours along our fence line, occasionally stopping to poke its head up and look around. Get the guns and get in the truck, Art said. We gathered up as much firepower as we thought was necessary before hopping in my Ford. By then it was getting dark, so I turned the headlights on as we drove along the trail that ran the length of the fence until we made it to where we had last seen that thing. What should we do? I asked Art. But no sooner had he started to open his mouth when we felt something big jump into the bed of the truck. Art and I both dove onto the floor. On my truck, I have a headache rack with a light on it to illuminate the bed. Slowly, I reached up and turned it on. The instant the light turned on, we saw that thing, the same one I'd seen the night before, peering through the back window. We were trapped. If we tried to run, that thing would be on us in an instant. If we stayed in the truck, I have no doubt it could have punched through the glass. But it just kept looking at us, before it choked out the words in a voice that sounded like five people saying the same thing at once. You are trespassers on land. We were here long before you and will be long after you. With that, it leapt out of my truck and scuttled off on all fours into the night. Art and I both lay on the floor for a couple of minutes before we got the courage to get up and look around. When we saw nothing, we didn't hesitate to hightail it back to the house. To this day, I haven't seen this creature again, and if there's something out there that needs a calf every so often to leave me and my family alone, I'm not going to complain. There are things out here in the great, empty spaces of the prairie, That have been here long before us and will be long after we die. With that, we're at the end of this week's episode of the Darkness Prevails podcast. Thank you for joining us. Don't you worry, I'll be back soon with more scary stories for you to enjoy. If you don't like to wait, subscribe to Darkness Prevails on YouTube to catch new stories sooner. If you want to hear me read your story, send it to me at darkstories.org. Before I go, help us spread the word and reach new listeners by sharing this podcast with your friends and family, following us on Spotify or reviewing us on iTunes. Until next time, everyone. Remember, this world is a strange one. So stay safe out there and stay creepy.